Hi, this is Tasha M. Dyer with the BYOB Movement, Be Your Own Bank. And we just want to welcome you to our podcast. Grab a pen, grab a paper, because we're going to be sharing information that has been hidden in plain sight. Information about the financial markets, things you've always wanted to know. And after you listen to this podcast to get more information or just to contact us, reach out at beyourownbankmovement.com. Beyourownbankmovement.com. Now, enjoy the show. Hi, good evening, good evening. I'm Bishop Harold Rawlinson, and I'm excited that you decided to tune in to uh, Rejoice904.com and and listen to us on today. I'm excited because we have some information that we want to share with you, and we're trusting you, that wise person that is talked about in Proverbs, the person who wants information, the person that wants to learn, the person that wants knowledge, because it talks about a wise person seeks knowledge and information, the fool hateth instruction. And so we want to thank you for just deciding that this uh, dial is the place where you can gather some great information about life, about prosperity, about how to handle your money. And I'm so happy that I have on the line with me uh, today, uh, Gerald B. Rogers, the uh, face of the I Am uh, Network. And we're so thankful for uh, his coming to my office one day and sitting and sharing with me about how we can uh, use our our cash in a more profitable way and not be taken advantage of by those who would use our money and not pay us for using our money. And so we're thankful for that. Uh, Tasha M. Dyer is on with us. We call her the trade whisperer, very informed young lady, very successful young lady. And then we are especially happy to to have uh, Dr. Bikewood on with us this afternoon. He's um, one of the few African-American men who have received a PhD in economics and finance from the University of Florida. And so we're just happy to have all of you on this evening. And and we want to hear hear from you at this time. Just say something to our audience to let them know that you are here. Well, awesome, awesome. I'm so excited to actually be here with you today, Bishop Rollison. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, my name is Tasha M. Dyer, the Trade Whisperer. And this movement, Be Your Own Bank, is just about 1 million families financially educated and impacted. We're really here just to share with you information that's been hidden in plain sight. You know, my background is U.S. Army major retired. And when I retired, I actually became a licensed financial advisor. So for me, this this is a no-brainer. I mean, we literally are here to help empower each and every last one of you all. We're here to share information with you all because this is what we didn't know. This is what was is happening all around us, but yet it's some information that we didn't have, information that we didn't know. So I'm excited to actually be here with you all this evening. We have our visionary on the line, Mr. Gerald D. Rogers, and also Dr. Craig Bythewood. But I, you know, I definitely want to turn this over and allow Mr. Rogers to introduce himself as well. Well, thank you so much. Uh, 904, Rejoice904.com. We are excited to have the opportunity to uh, present this amazing information to so many individuals who are just completely unaware and just tremendously grateful for the host, uh, the very uh, one and only Bishop Harold Rollison and our, our colleagues, uh, Ms. Tasha M. Dyer, 
And uh, we're just excited, uh, specifically for a day like today, when people just are just completely unaware on how financial markets operate. And we have the privilege and the honor to be able to assist individuals and help them understand how to be their own bank and uh, bring this information into a dynamic, which is simply amazing and understanding. So uh, kudos to each and every one of you. And at this point, I definitely am excited uh, to have, as uh, Bishop Rollison has already alluded, our special guest. Uh, and I, I definitely want you guys to get an opportunity to e- experience, uh, absorb one of the most uh, phenomenal minds when it comes to financial matters in the entire universe. So uh, definitely want to make sure that we give him the opportunity to have as much longitude as, as he needs. So uh, at this point, I'm going to yield to my dear friend, the one and only finance doctor himself, Dr. Craig Bythewood. Can you uh, greet our audience? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mr. Rogers, uh, for affording me this opportunity. So, Bishop Rodderson, uh, Miss Dyer, and the production staff of Rejoice 904, I'm so excited to be a part of this radio broadcast. So, I need everyone in our listening audience to understand why you can literally feel the excitement in my voice. You see, this is full circle for me because when I was 26 years old, 26 years ago, I studied bank mergers and acquisitions in my dissertation. Then I've had the opportunity to be a consultant for banks multiple times. So literally my entire adult life, I have been around banks. So now to be blessed enough to have the opportunity to with my two business partners, Ms. Tasha Dyer and Mr. Gerald Rogers, be able to be a part of a movement that we call, let me be accurate, to be part of a ministry that we call the Be Your Own Bank movement, it is absolutely full circle for me. And see, the thing about it is this. I always say, that before now, the only thing I could in ever offer anyone I came in contact with was information. But now I get goosebumps every time I talk about this because now I can put in individuals' hands a vehicle. Here's how you can take the information that I've been telling you for the last however many years and you can actionize it. You can actually put yourself in a position where you can bring your family to another level of wealth and abundance. You can literally push through any resistances that you may have with your mindset and literally allow yourself to deserve and receive all of the blessings that God has promised you. Press down. You know how it goes. So the bottom line is this. I get excited every time we have an opportunity to come together because now I can provide a vehicle in addition to the information, in addition to the mindset training, so we can be the best that we can be. And here's the part I like most about it. The skill set that we're teaching, once we teach this skill, it's there. It belongs to them forever. And if they want to teach this skill to their children and those children want to teach the skill to their children. We have just changed the world. We have just put ourselves in a position where generational wealth can be established by us exposing this information to one family. And again, there's nothing new about this. This is something that has been on our financial market landscape landscape forever. But 
that is the reason why we named that book Hidden in Plain Sight, because it's always been around. But now we're excited to be able to expose this information to every single family in the world so that they can have the option. They can have the opportunity to create generational wealth. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Dr. Bike Wood. Now, uh, before we get into deep, here's what I want us to do. Those of you who are on Facebook, I want you to share, 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 share. We want to uh, build our audience as we, this is our second program. And we want all, all of us are going to be pushing this to our friends because those that you love, those that you care about, you want them to hear this information that is that about what's hidden in plain sight. Remember, some folks look and some folks see. And we're excited to stop us from being looky-loos and begin to see what's going on around us and be aware. Now, I'm excited about what Dr. Bifewood just said a moment ago about something that's lasting, something that we can hold on to. Because when we were ended our program last week, we talked about having the right mindset. And I shared with everybody about uh, a large amount of money that I had in a trust fund that in 2007 and 2008, I did not receive any interest on whatsoever. Matter of fact, it cost me money because I had to pay uh, the brokers to manage the fund. And Dr. Bifewood uh, shared with me last week that he had some information that would be exciting for us so that when we, when we build wealth that way, we won't, we'll be able to actually pass it on. And this information that we're sharing today is information that once you learn the skill set, uh, nobody, if someone sues you, you still can walk out of that room with your information and the skill that you've been given through uh, listening to us today. And so let me, let me share just a little bit about, about me and how we were able to accumulate $900,000 and have it in a trust fund. Now, a friend of mine and I started a business back in the 90s. It was a transportation company. We started with some, with some beepers. Uh, a Jeep Cherokee and a Geo Metro. And uh, 10 years later, we had 60 vans, 106 employees, and $11 million annual budget. And because of that, uh, uh, we were able to accumulate quite a bit of funding. Later on, because of, we talked talk about being around the right people, because we were around the right people, I had guys come by my office one day and, and say, you want this business opportunity? And, and so I looked at it and I said, well, let me look at the financials and then we'll talk to you about it later. I looked at the financials. I saw all the money where the money was hidden because most of the time when people uh, are doing business, they're, they're hiding their profits. And so when we saw where the money was. We said, sure, we'll take that business. And this business was a cemetery. My first week in that cemetery, I made $33,000 cash. And Along with that business came a uh, a trust fund that was value, that had nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars in it. That was a maintenance trust fund. That fund I did not pick that particular uh, uh, company to manage the money. The, it was that, that's where the money was when I bought the business. Now, uh, two thousand six, two thousand seven, the economy fell fell to pieces. And nobody was getting interest on anything, and we were on. A, we were not able to uh, get the money that we got from the trust fund to do the maintenance on the cemetery. We paid for machinery. We paid for 
uh, lawnmowers. We paid people uh, to actually cut the grass and keep the cemetery up out of that particular fund. And so now you're not getting anything out of that fund. So now you got to find other places to replace that money so that you can continue to pay your staff and make the payments on your equipment. And so that became very frustrating to me because now I'm having to spend my profits. And, and so I called the people and I asked them, I said, now, uh, can you put this money in a different type of uh, account? Can you, how can I make this money make my money? You're just going to have to hold on, Reverend. We're going we're gonna to do some things, but right now, uh, you're just going to have to uh, bite the bullet like everybody else. I said, no, I'm, I did some research. There's some other types of accounts that we possibly could shift this money. They said, well, if you shift the money or and I got upset, I said, well, I, what about if I just take all my money from you guys and find another management company? Well, you can take it, but it's going to cost you $60,000. Now, whose money is this? They were going to charge me $60,000 to withdraw my money. And we wanted, we, we wanted to talk to Dr. Bifewood, the finance doctor, to tell me, see, everybody needs coaching. Even though I've taken several companies and turned them into million-dollar companies, I need coaching. And, and, and we must be coachable. And so I'm asking Dr. Bifewood uh, to coach me because the next time I make this kind of money, because once you make it, you can make it again and again uh, because you learn what's hidden in plain sight. And so this is, not, this is a vehicle to recover all much of that which the devil has taken from me. And so I'm excited about uh, the relationship that God has brought together for me to get to know him, to get to know Mr. Rogers, to get to know Miss Dyer. These are people that God put around you with more information than you have so that you can learn from them. You always want to surround yourself with people who don't, who know more than you know about something. Uh, when, when you find out you're the person, the only person in the room with information, you're in the wrong room. You need to find another room. Dr. Bifewood, uh, you want to make some comments on that scenario I just laid out there? I certainly do, Bishop. First of all, let me just let you know that if I knew you at that time, I would have given you a hug, of course, with the man tap on the back. But uh, <laughs> sorry that you had to experience that. I needed so, a hug. I needed a hug. <laughs> I, I certainly can at, imagine. So, at the, being at the time my wife had just died, so I didn't have anybody to hug. Oh, wow. Really sorry that you went through both of those experiences. Yeah. So let's try to talk about some things so that as you have your next experience, it will be much better. So first of all, we need to understand that this is a gospel radio station. So yeah. we understand the power of walking in love. We understand the power of walking in the release. And so we need to first understand that vengeance uh, is the Lord's and not ours. So we need to kind of understand this point. This is what banks do. This is how banks operate. And so someone asked me this morning, Bishop Rodderson, well, I don't understand why people are doing this. I need you to help me understand. And my response to that person was, once I help you to understand is that going to help you in any way? Is that going to allow you to accumulate more wealth? Is that going to allow you to bring any value into your household? So sometimes we have to understand the way the process works and then emotionally disconnect from that so that we can have better experiences. So we purposely call the BYOB movement, the Be Your Own Bank movement, because we want to be our own bank. 
because we understand that what is it to be a bank? What is it that banks really do? What banks really do is they control economic infrastructure. And that is a perfect example. You're going to have to pay me to move your money. I'm sorry, you're going to have to keep that check here for seven to 10 business days for it to clear. Okay, we need a deposit, but after we take the deposit, it'll take you three to five business days to get it back. And we know what they're doing in those seven to 10 days. We know what they're doing in those three to five days. So it's okay. We're okay with the fact that banks are doing what they're doing. We just want to understand, first of all, that we are not anti-bank. We're pro-household. Because what you resist will persist. If we spend any energy against the banking system, against the situation, then we will literally send a message to the universe that says, hey, send me more experiences like that. So the first thing we want to do with a story like that is give the virtual man hug and let it go. So here's how we are going to approach this the next time something like this happens. So we want to first understand that there are two types of financial markets. First of all, what is a financial market? A financial market is any market that is opposite of a product market. There's no physical product. There's no manufacturing. There's nothing tangible. We're talking about buying and selling money. So anytime there is a financial market, there are essentially only two types of financial market. This is a long-term market or a short-term market. What are you going to do today? Okay, what are you going to do 10 years from now? Two totally different questions. There's a long-term market and there's a short-term market. So when we put ourselves in a position where we understand those two markets, now let's put some labels on them. The long-term market is capital market. The short-term market is money market. Capital market, long-term. Money market, short-term. So what has happened is that we have been convinced, we have been told by banks that this is the way you do it. And like I say, every single time I do my talk with the finance doctor on Tuesday and Thursday nights at 10 p.m., I always say this, personal finance is the only area of our society where the individuals who sell us the products happen to be the same individuals that give us information about the product. So it's slanted. They're incentivized to tell us what's going to benefit their organization rather than you. So, of course, they told you that it will cost you $60,000 because that will put you in a position to leave the money there and allow them not to pay you the interest. Now, as I get to this answer and breaking down capital market and money market, something comes to my mind. We're very benevolent about sharing this information with people. And one of the things that we ask when we talk about, when we, when we present this information to people is we always ask the question, how much has your bank paid you in the last 20 years? And I find it interesting that 75% of the people that I ask that question to, they laugh. They laugh. It's comical to them that I'm even asking it. It's funny. It's a joke. But given my academic history, I've taught a bank management class probably 15 times. And chapter three of bank management explains that we are supposed to be paid by the bank or looked at a different way. Banks are supposed to pay depositors for the funds. So that's the way it's supposed to be. However, that's not the way it is. Dr. B, help me to understand. No, Dr. B, help you to let that go, release that, and let's come up with a new plan. 
So now that we understand that there's capital market and there's money market, what's the capital market? Very simple. The markets that we hear about all the time, stocks and bonds. Stocks and bonds have long-term maturities. Buy and hold, 20-year maturity, 30-year maturity. I talked to someone recently and I was explaining to them the way in which we profit daily on Tesla. And he said, oh, well, I have Tesla. I bought it and it's up 300%. Oh, yeah. How long have you had Tesla? Three years. So we want to put a vehicle in people's hands where you don't have to wait three years. You can do it in three minutes. So now that we understand that capital market is long term and money market is short term, let's think about some of those products. Because banks will have you believe that the only way in which you can put your money into an account is through them. We're we're the ones that have all the accounts. We're Walmart. We're one-stop shopping. We have everything. True. But we always have the ability to to drive right past Walmart and go to Target or keep driving past Target and go to Macy's or go to Nordstrom's. We always have the choice to go whatever store we want to. We just need to understand what the financial stores are and what products are housed in them. So let me break it down. Banks. Banks themselves have products. And they have what is called a checking account. We know that. But they also have savings accounts. Well, the savings accounts are put, are placed in such a way, the infrastructure of them are placed where A, there's a very small amount of interest that's paid. And two, they actually have allowed the federal government to pass a law where there's only a minimum amount of time you can touch your savings account per month. Let's just think about that for a second. You can take money in and out of your checking account on an unlimited basis. That's because I don't pay you. But if you put your money in the savings account, you can only take it out three times a month. That's because I'm paying you. So to get a higher rate, if you're interested in receiving a higher interest rate, then you go to their next tier product, which is the money market account. The money market account. Now here's how the game works on that one. You can receive higher interest on our money market account, but you have to have a minimum balance that stays in the account at all times. In some banks, it's as high as $100,000. So you give me $100,000 and I'll pay you a little bit of interest. But hey, don't go to $999 because now I'm going to charge you a fee for going below the minimum bank payment. So we believe. We believe that that is the store. That is the only place we can go to get banking products. But there are other places. So here's how I want you to think about this. I'm going to give you two options. Option one is this. I oftentimes talk about the fact that banks are for profit. And credit unions or small banks or local banks, they are nonprofit. Now, if you just think about this for a second, real quick, let me give you a quick accounting lesson. The income statement is income minus expenses, revenue minus expenditures, inflows minus outflows. That's so easy. Money coming in versus money going out. Don't believe that accounting is easy. I just taught it to you in 30 seconds. Money coming in, money going out. That's your P&L. That's your profit and loss. Money coming in, money going out. Stay with me. Money coming in, money going out. Now, here's how this works. If big banks are for profit and Little banks are nonprofit, and profit is the difference between inflows and outflows. Income minus expenses, profit. Profit is simply money coming in minus money going out. So if for-profits are big banks and nonprofits are credit unions, that must mean that big banks have more profit 
then little banks. Stay with me. Now watch this. When you look at the profit model of a financial institution, Bishop, wouldn't you agree with this? The money that they make is simply this. The revenue is the money that we pay them. That's right. The expense is the money that they pay us. Let me do that again. The <laughs> revenue is the money that we pay them. Right. The expense is the money that they pay us. So if big banks have more profit than little banks, doesn't that mean that little banks must always charge us less and pay us more? So when you look at it like that, right away, we go with that name recognition. It's the Wells Fargo. It's the Bank of America. It's all of those names. But those names are designed to pay you less and charge you more. So one of the things that we can do is we can find smaller banks that will pay more simply because their profit, their, their difference, their, their profit model is different. Now let's go beyond that and look at this. We oftentimes talk about, Bishop, that people who are relying on retirement plans have been let down. There have been 38% on average. Think about that on average. That means some of them are higher. 38% decline in retirement plans. Now, I want you to think about this, listening audience. Retirement plans, when they're going up, average 11% a year. Let me say it again. Retirement plans, when they're going up, they average 11% a year. With the vehicle that we're working with, with Gerald D. Rogers being the representative of the most popular software in our company, with Miss Tasha M. Dyer inventing a strategy that is the easiest strategy that we have for a company that's in 122 countries, we are making 3% a trade. Let me do that again. Retirement plans, 11% a year. Our trades are a minimum of 3% a trade. So if you just think about the logic there, we're putting you in a position where this can be the difference between what you can do and what you will do. So back to the point, when you label the capital market versus the, the, uh, the money market, and you think about these retirement plans that we've all been exposed to, how do they function? They function by investing in mutual funds. So mutual funds have labels. What is a mutual fund? It's simply a portfolio manager making a decision to take the money of the individuals that are involved in the fund, putting together all of the money, mutual, and then investing it in whatever particular item or what particular category fits into the capital market. Well, here's the deal. He said earlier there are two markets, capital market, money market. Well, the money market represents short term. So if you find a money market mutual fund, it is a mutual fund that invests in short-term instruments. If you invest in a checking account, you're getting zero interest. If you invest in a savings account, you're getting a very small amount of interest. If you invest in a money market, you're getting a little bit more interest. However, you have that minimum balance. Now, I said all of that just to make up this setup point before I bring it home, Bishop Robinson. Okay. The number one, the number one invested money market vehicle in America, the number one is a CD, a certificate of deposit. More people put money into CDs than any 
other vehicle. Now, watch this. When you invest in a CD, you have to invest it for a certain time. So if you invest in a 90-day CD, you have to keep your money there for 90 days. If you invest in a one-year CD, you have to keep your money there for a year. If you invest in a three-year CD, yes, there are three-year CDs, you have to keep your money there for three years. Now watch this. Didn't we just say, Bishop, that small banks and credit unions pay more and charge less? So if you invest in a CD of a big bank, you're keeping your money locked up for a particular amount of time, but yet you're getting less. Now watch this. Money market mutual funds invest in many money market investments. Guess what one of the money market investments is? A CD. But when can you take your money out of a money market mutual fund? Anytime you want. So you can get the same exact returns in a money market account, excuse me, in a money market mutual fund than you can by investing in a CD, but you can get more because the, the mutual fund manager is diversifying across different types of CDs and different types of money market mutual funds. And you have the flexibility to be able to take your money out anytime you want, hidden in plain sight. Thank you for asking that question, Bishop Rollison. Did I answer it? Oh, yeah, you asked you more than answered it. Just you brought up another question in my mind. You started talking about mutual funds. You know, you got the, the no load and you got the uh, where you pay uh, when you first buy the mutual fund. And then you got the one where uh, with the load and then the no load where you pay uh, on the on the backside. Which one would those be better? So I am blessed enough to been able to coach my daughters in girls basketball for a number of years. And the lowest grade I've ever taught is fifth grade. When I coach fifth grade, I always teach them something called triple threat, which means anytime they have the ball, they have the ability to do one of three things. They can either shoot, dribble, or pass. But the defense doesn't know what you're doing. You got to be ready, fifth grader. Well, I think that's a good analogy, Bishop, for my professional life, because I have been a professor. So I see the academic side. I've been a consultant. So I see the bird's eye view. And I've been a chief financial officer multiple times. So I've been inside the belly of the beast seeing the way it works. So with this three-pronged approach, I've had the ability to be able to, to see things, but also to be able to have access to research. So over the past 40 years, research on mutual funds shows that load funds meaning that there's a fee versus no load funds, which means there is not a fee, have the same exact performance. So understand this. Let me uh, make sure that we are are clear here. You're going to pay a fee on a mutual fund regardless. Think of it like this. You know, mutual funds pay you in what are called net asset value or shares. So let's think about it like pizza. If we all order pizza, everybody's going to get their serving as a slice. They get it per slice. Well, what if we bought a whole bunch of pieces and then we only gave people four boxes and we kept two of the boxes in our car? That's what mutual funds do. That's the fee. They tell you you have a net asset value, but they take their fee out, leave their fee in the car before they deliver you your financial pizza. So that has nothing to do with the load. That's just the fees. So the difference between a no load and a load is that there's a fee on top of the pizza boxes you're taking from me. So the performance of load funds versus no load funds are exactly the same over the last 40 years. So 
as a result of that, no reason to ever invest in a no-load fund. I'm sorry, to invest oh. in a load fund. Never a reason to invest in a load fund. Great question, Bishop. Yes, yeah. sir. Now we want to talk about uh, uh, revocable, and revocable and irrevocable trust because uh, uh, many of us who are uh, who are deciding to uh, trade are going to have so much money that we want to make sure that when we set up our, our wheels and whatnot, mm-hmm. some of us would choose to... Uh, to get trust, you know, to avoid uh, 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 the uh, courts um, deciding who gets what. Correct. So, uh, the, could you talk about the, the irrevocable and the revocable trust Certainly and how can. they work in in, in uh, investment? Certainly can. And let me begin by giving okay. a little bit of a backdrop so our audience understands why this is such an important question. So, if you have anything that belongs, first of all, let's back up even further. When you're alive, it's called an asset. When you're deceased, it's called an estate. They're the exact same thing, just one when you're alive, one is when you pass on. So it makes sense for us to get into the habit of being able to manage these things now rather than waiting until something happens. And if I can just be real with you, this has not been something that has been paramount in our community. So we want to understand how important this question is. Now, what happens is this. If you have any assets that you do not specifically decide what is going to happen with, then that is called intestate. And that means that the probate courts of the state now has the flexibility to be able to decide. And there's some states like the state of Georgia where probate is the number one source of revenue for the state government. So you want to understand that and you want to understand how important this this question is. So let me go further. A will says, this is what I want to happen. And in order for it to happen, there has to be somebody who makes it happen. And that's the executor of your will. But what a trust does is it gives you more power because the trust now allows you to specifically say, this is not only what I want to happen, but here's how it's going to happen. And there's also an, a, a third party person who's running the trust, who's going to make sure that all of those things happen. Now, Revocable simply means that if there are any changes, you have the ability to be able to change it. Irrevocable means once you do it, you're, it has to stay exactly the way it is. Now, institutions are set up in a way to make money, and that's okay. We're okay with that. The way in which trusts operate is this. If you have the right to change it, they think that there's more. that's more management on their term. Therefore, you have to pay a little bit more for revocable. But I have seen time after time after time as a financial planner, Bishop, where individuals will make a decision, make it irrevocable because it's cheaper. And then something happens. There's the change. Change is the only thing that is constant. So I always recommend that you pay a little bit extra and do irrevocable, excuse me, and do revocable so you have the ability to be able to respond if there's some type of change. And think about it. Change is not always in the individuals. Change could be in the society. Change could be in the way things happen. Change could be in the way institutions do things. There are rules and laws that are that are decided on a, on a monthly, seasonal, quarterly basis. So it's always best to make it be revocable so you have that flexibility in the event in the event of macroeconomic or individual change hey man uh now the, the way it was explained to me um because I, I think it's important because i found myself 
walking around with a master's degree and nobody ever taught me anything about trust. And then when I bought this business, I bought a $960,000 trust that I had to, had to, to uh, supervise the managers. And, and, and I didn't know anything about revocable or irrevocable. And so the revocable was, was uh, uh, explained to me it's like a bucket. You can reach in the bucket and get what you need out of the bucket. And that uh, the revocable uh, was, was better as far as probate was concerned because it, it had beneficiaries. And one of the beneficiaries could be a irrevocable trust that you could automatically send a certain amount of what you had in the irrevocable trust to a position where you could control from the grave what happens with the, with the, with the trust. And, and so, uh, you know, the, 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 the revocable is certainly a, a good vehicle uh, to, to get some things done with, with a limited amount of control with the, with the uh, option of, of uh, making some corrective actions uh, if something unexpected happens. And so uh, I appreciate that answer, uh, uh, Dr. Bikewood. I, I think it's going to help a lot of people because some of us, I believe, are going to make a lot of money. Yes. Mr. Are you there? I'm sorry. Absolutely, I'm here. Okay. Now, uh you 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 uh, you've been involved in, in with helping people determine their uh their retirement projections. Um and now that you know a lot of folk I know are looking at 401ks and the economy has like in 2007, 8 and 9, nobody got anything. Uh, on the um, interest on, on those on those four one ks, and some of that money was in um, mutual funds. Some of it was probably in some a lot of different other things. And the people's projections are thrown off because we had two or three recessions in the last twenty years. So how has that impacted uh, those four one ks that people have, and they thought they would have X amount of money, and X turned out to be Y. Well, Bishop, it's, it's, it's an eye-opener. It's a shock. It's a reality check. And, and I mean, I think Dr. Bifewood, you know, summed it up pretty well as, as he was speaking. But I've heard many stories. I, I've, I've seen many individuals that actually are not able to retire the way that they thought they were. I've seen so many individuals that are back at work or have to have shifted their lives. You know, one thing we really have to understand is that retirement is a financial status and it's not an age. And so the biggest thing too, when you place your money into these accounts, we, we think it's ours because we're looking at, you know, we're looking at a actual statement. We're looking at, you know, these things, but it's still subject to the market. That's that piece that's missing. That's that piece that's always left out is the fact that it's still subject to the market. We've been conditioned to think that we have to buy it, we hold it, and we pray over it. And so the fl- the flexibility, you know, the, the fluctuation that consistently happens is is definitely something that we, we have to consider. And so even myself, you know, when I went back and I looked at my study material for getting licensed, 
you know, one of the things that I realized is that everything that we're, we're involved in right now, as far as the foreign exchange market, understanding the market, the big picture, this is in the study material, is that even when you're getting licensed, you're still subject or you're still learning, you're still focused on what you're going to accomplish through that broker, because you can't get licensed unless you're attached to a broker. So your education is always tailored toward what they want and the benefit of that company. And so... We, we have to understand that, you know, this is why we see so many individuals around. And I've, even before COVID, even before all the things that's transpired right now, you have many people that can't retire the way they thought they can. You have many people that are looking at their retirement funds and their retirement accounts and they have to work a few more years or it's so much more that has to happen. And one of the things that we have to understand is that we want to control the narrative. You want to be in a position where you control the narrative and you look at the amount of liquidity, what you have to put up each month just to retire properly or to retire where you're quote unquote comfortable is, is, is ridiculous. When you can literally learn a skill set to literally take you and help you understand the magnitude of what's really out there. It's $6.6 trillion a day moving. It's no way. I mean, think about, think, think about it for a minute. Whose bright idea was it to say, give me your money and I'm going to hold on to it for 40 years. I'm going to hold on to it for 20 years. I'm going to hold it and you can't touch it. And yet it's still subject to the market. Where did that come from? And so the more you learn, the more you know, it's, it's always important to understand that you want to control the narrative. You want to control your future. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Mr. Rogers, uh, You've uh, you've been out here as an investment banker. Have you seen uh, many vehicles that have been really good for the consumer? Well, uh, I, I definitely uh, yield to the same thought process as uh, Dr. Bythewood and Ms. Dyer. I am, after being trained professionally in this area, I am tremendously of the uh, opinion now that it's uh, more apropos for us to make sure and ensure that people that we're connected to have this information to educate themselves because I'm always looking at it from a holistic standpoint. And I think of the decline of uh, individuals' retirement accounts. Uh, individuals now have the uh, unfortunate luxury to have to extend their working years uh, because obviously uh, things like Social Security and things of that nature uh, will completely be defunded. So uh, this has to be a very important part of our daily functionality. And the reality is, why haven't we been taught this information? And I want to even take it a step further, uh, even from a community church perspective, the body of Christ, and even in the African-American community, uh, there are numerous scriptures that teach us that, that we should be the lender and not the borrower, that we should be able to fund everything that pertains to uh, ensuring that our, our, our communities our need, uh, our parishioners, but we have to take the possible position and just take a, a, a note from, uh, in my opinion, the first global economist, King Solomon, Ecclesiastes 11 and 1, where he instructed us that in order for us to uh, reap the rewards, we need to invest in foreign trade. And particularly here in the United States, you know, we've been most familiar with the, the stock market, which only... Uh, allows the person to participate at about a $40 billion a day, but the whole gamut, uh, $6.6 trillion. And because of the new wave of money and digital currency, 
that affords us, the average individual, the opportunity to tap into a, ne a nearly $11 trillion a day industry. So the writer Paul says, study to show yourself approved. And I think it's our responsibility. And I'm so excited and thankful that you have a heart, not only to spiritually edify individuals, but to give them tools necessary in the natural as a, as a leading uh, ministry leader, as, as a consummate businessman, to now understand the importance of this information and as being able to put this information in the hands of the people so that the people can now live as well as the leadership and what they sit up under. So I salute you. And that's why I'm tremendously humbled and grateful that you are a part of this movement and a voice that's clarion as a general uh, to bring in alignment, many senior past leaders and things of that nature. Well, I appreciate that so very much. Uh, and you use a passage that I think you and I may have talked about uh, a little while ago when we were traveling together. We talked about the, the, the Deuteronomy where we said, be the lender, not the borrower. That's a powerful passage. That 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 being the lender, not the borrower, you can take over countries. I have a, a Jewish lawyer friend who, who has a law firm in um, in Manhattan. And he shared with me, he said, he said now, uh, the real problem in Germany was that the Jews that moved to Germany, they couldn't own any property, but they owned all the financial institutions. And Hitler was angry because they, they controlled the banks, they controlled all the insurance companies, and they had they 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 controlled the money. And Hitler had this thing that we hear around here a lot. He wanted his country back. And the only way he could get his country back was to get rid of the Jews. And so they had they they became the lenders and not the borrowers in Germany and took over the country. And that was a whole problem. That's what I see was happening to America now, because uh, we have uh, foreign countries who con are controlling our financial situation. China's not the virus. They're, there's a virus in the bank and they're owning most of the, of the stocks uh, at the stock market. And, and so, you know, we, we really don't have financial control of our country right now because somebody else has become the lender and we become the borrower. And so, when we talk about trading, we uh, we really gain control of our own finances. And that's so very important in our community because it's so important that even when we put our money in the bank, we can't go down there and get a loan to start a business. We can get a loan to get a Cadillac or Lincoln, but we can't get a loan to, uh, to start a business. We can, we can get a $100,000 car, but we can't get $25,000 uh, uh, as uh, a loan to, to help our business move forward. And, and so uh, they control what happens in our community economically, even though we let them hold our money. So what's the solution to that, Dr. Bikewood? <laughs> That's an easy one. The solution is to be your own bank. Amen. So if you think about what we're doing and you think about the families that we're impacting, what if we came together as a collective and began to have a remix of the entire financial industry? We provided capital to communities and infrastructures that have been underserved. So we would literally be doing the reverse of what you just said, but doing it out of love instead of taking back power. Amen. 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 Because we want we want we want to have our we don't want our children to struggle because uh, we're teaching them to be entrepreneurs. We're teaching them that if you go to college, go and get a skill and not a piece, just a piece of paper. 
uh, we, we were teaching them to read um, The Miseducation of the Negro, where E.B. Du Bois talked about that back in the 30s that they Blacks were going to school learning to uh, manage uh, companies that uh, nobody would hire them to manage them. And, and so, and the Jews at the same time uh, were studying Negro and setting up com uh, corner stores and getting rich because they, they knew what we would buy. They knew we wanted some, we knew we wanted some pickles. We, we, we knew we wanted to be able to cash our check. They knew we wanted to uh, uh, malt liquor. They knew it and they put everything in our community that they thought we would come in there and buy. And, and guess what? It's the same way today. I go to some communities and you can't get a bottle of water, but you can get a, you, you can't, you can get those, uh, those malt liquors and, and, and uh, uh, pickles and pig feet and all that kind of stuff because they think they've studied us and, and it's been gone. It's moved on past the Jews to the other, other foreigners who uh, have come from uh, other countries who uh, have studied us and they have what they, what we want that they have, a, they have a rolling paper there for us all the stuff that perpetuate our sickness and our demise. And we have to be smarter than that. We have to be smarter than that. We need, we, uh, you can't buy a fresh vegetable in our community. Well, Bishop, we have, yes, ma'am. Oh, I was going to say, I was just going to jump in because change begins with us. And so regardless of what someone else is doing, regardless of what's transpiring outside, regardless of what's going on, change always is an inside out job. All of this is definitely an inside out job. And so when we learn, when we bring this back to us and you focus on you, regardless of what else is happening in the world, you know, when you're, you're not a minority, you're not, we're not any of that. And so if we focus on us, because think about it, we mentioned college, we mentioned skill sets. The reality is, is we'll go to college, but we have no, the, the goal is college. This is where the mindset shift has to happen. The goal is college. And, and I, when I was on active duty, one of the things that I did is speak in every high school here in Jacksonville. And so what actually transpired is when you talk to the children, when you talk to the, the kids that are, that are our future, the goal is college. And so in the military, one of the things we learned is, is backwards planning. Like you, you have a plan, you have a goal, you have a destination, and then you have backwards planning and, and you plan from there. So it's always about what do you want to do? What do you want to be? My daughter wants to be a doctor. So what is it going to take for you to get to that skill path? Your goal is not college. You know, we, we get so excited about going to college and and college is a business, but it's, if it's on your path to where you want to go, absolutely you need to go there. But we have to understand that we have the power inside of us. We have the power to do every single thing that we want to accomplish. We have the power to be in whatever it is. It's just that we have to have the goal set to actually go do it and the mindset. And so Whatever it is that you want, you need to be able to reel it back and understand exactly what it is that I desire. What am I going to accomplish? And what is it going to take for me to get there? Because nobody can control your narrative. Nobody can control your outcome. And just like right now, we're learning a skill set. Because with our background, myself, Mr. Rogers, Dr. Bythewood, with our background, we don't have to talk to a soul. We could have literally just kept this to ourselves and, and just traded and learned it, you know, However, 1 million families financially educated and impacted, and that's why we're so adamant about the world knowing what this is. This is why we're so adamant 
about everyone understanding what's available and what's out there. And that's because this information it, it, it's, it's about the education and it begins with the education. It's, it's really important, but it's always about what you're being educated upon. So we don't sit back and wait on someone to give out. Personally, it, it's irrelevant what someone else is doing. It's irrelevant what someone else is trying to stop me from doing. When we we band together, we understand the power that we have in our own hands, the power of our mindset, the power of a skill set. It is nothing that we can accomplish. And that's and this is how we shift it one family at a time within our communities, within our households, within our friends, neighbors, relatives. That's why this is so important. And so that that takes that focus and that shift off of what's on the outside and we focus it back to us as far as what's on the inside. That's right. Mr. Rodison, may I please uh, add to what Ms. Dyer said? First of all, Ms. Dyer, I I thought that was a a wonderful take. And when Ms. Dyer is doing her trainings, she is looking at a chart. And what she'll do is she'll look at what happened in the past so that she can figure out what's going to happen next. And she'll say, you look left, you look left. So look left is the trading trainer's way of looking back in the past. Well, sometimes we have to recognize that we look left too much. Mm. And see, back to my, my basketball prowess as a coach, one of the things I teach those fifth graders is when they first come, they want to pick up the ball and run. They want to travel. So to teach them not to travel, I teach them something called pivot. Hey, take that foot, plant it in the ground, and change direction. So sometimes we have to recognize that when we talk about these things by looking left, we just have to put our financial foot in the ground and we just have to pivot. So let's spend less and less time looking left and more and more time focusing on what we want and we will get there so much quicker. Amen, Dr. B. Amen. That's so true. Uh, And and, uh, I I think that um, what our kids need, uh, and and, uh, and some even adults, old people need is um, we need a, a skill. We need a skill set so we can re- rely on that skill set and not rely on somebody uh, employing us. That that's true. Fish. That that's true. But even when they were going to college, it was it's like, what is your goal? That's why the attrition is so high. It's like I got to school. Now what? I'm here. Now what? So, well, see, most, most of the time they just got a degree, and uh, that degree says uh, somebody's going to hire you, and that, that's not true in, for every case. Uh, uh, and they don't really have a skill set. They have, a, uh, uh, a, what do you call it, a liberal arts degree that uh, it's just a piece of paper and no skill. And, college. and, and uh, uh, that, that's what uh, Dr. Uh, the miseducation of, a, of the Negro is all about. You you thought you you thought you were getting something when you didn't get anything. All you got is a bill. You got a student loan uh, coming out of the yin yang, and uh, you don't. And your credit is ruined from from day one before you get out of college because now you got this big forty fifty thousand dollar bill, no job to pay it. They give you six months. You get the extensions, extension, and now uh, they have all these marks on their credit. When you're in college, they give you these credit cards that come in the mailbox and they give credit cards to kids who don't have no no way of paying it back. And they're so happy to have those credit cards because they don't have parents who uh, send them money on a regular. 
but they got this card in their pocket. They want to go out and have fun like the rest of the kids. They run those cards up to the max. And when they graduate, they got the credit cards called companies calling them. They, 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 they don't have an opportunity to use the credit properly. Uh, uh, so that they can advance their their business, their, their their career, their situation, and it's just a uh, a downward spiral. What uh, is where Dr. B just said we got to stop looking left, and what do we do about it? We know what transpired, we know what happened, we understand. So how do I reposition myself? How do I pivot? Stop just going to quote unquote college. Go to college with an objective. Go to school with a goal. Educate our children. Treat them like an investment. No more 1830 rule. What does that mean? At 18, you got 30 days to get out. Treat your children as an investment. We have to do this is where the inside out job comes in. This is where that shift happens. Empower them with just like what we're doing right now. My children are empowered with a skill set. Dr. B's children, I know Mr. Rogers' children are empowered with a skill set. My son trades, his daughter are trading. You know, when you look at what's transpiring, this is where that shift happens. My six-year-old daughter understands the charts. So we have to be, we as a us, instead of always looking out at what someone else is doing, we can make that shift. If you want to go to school, what are you going for? Not just the goal is college, right? What is, what do you want? And this is where we take responsibility into our own hands and we can make that internal shift. I know, Mr. Rogers, I think I cut him off. Mr. Rogers? Well, I, I guess at the end of the day, uh, I think <laughs> we're all congruent on we, we solutions, solutions. So, but I, I do have a question for all of us. I know we're getting ready to close out, but in, in the historical, uh, this is the rejoice904.com network, you know, uh, uh, a spiritually ed uh, foundation. Uh, I have a question for all of us. You know, many of us are in ministry, ministry leaders. Uh, at what point is it the place from a ministry standpoint to also not only be concerned about one's spiritual well-being, but understanding uh, things of this nature? And uh, in my opinion, and uh, has it been difficult for us to help leaders of leaders understand that this is, is equally important at uh, this information and this level of education is how we solidify our local congregations as well as our local communities. One of the things that I think about and, and, and uh, operating all the time, Mr. Rogers, is that when I'm benevolently sharing information with people, I look at it as I want to bring a thirsty person closer to the water. But there's literally nothing I can do about someone who chooses not to be thirsty. So I agree with you wholeheartedly that there's a responsibility for the leaders of leaders to operate in a certain way and make certain things a priority. But I think we're freer to impact more families when we release the need to have to judge or have opinions about what they're doing. Observation is strength. Judgment is weakness. So I, what I choose to do in this scenario is to only focus on those who are thirsty and eventually we'll raise the vibration and then all those others will have to match what we're doing. Wow. Well, we're just thankful uh, to God for that question. And, and I think that as ministry leaders, we have to, uh, our minds have to be renewed also and, and see, uh, see people differently. Don't see the people as an opportunity, uh, to rape and pillage and, and make our fats, our pockets fat and we can get a better car, a better zip. But the idea of uh, 
of uh, bringing them up. And, and, and because uh, in business, when I do business, I, I say to my business partners that no deal is a good deal unless everybody's prospering. And so it's important that everybody prosper, even in ministry. Uh, there's something wrong if the only one that's doing well in the church is the pastor. Something what wrong I, about that. What Isn't I it? And, and I know right now is where we are because we're about to end. I just want to, you, you just mentioned something about, you know, about what can we do to empower, you know, and, and, that, and that's, like I said, that's the purpose. And so what you see me sharing right now is actually the book cover. So this is the book and that, that actually is going to be released next week that you can get your pre-orders at beyourownbankmovement.com. So this is literally what we're able to do. So our whole goal and focus is to literally be able to share this information to make sure that we empower and and the 1 million families financially educated and impacted that 1 million families literally begins with one family it begins with you and so you know just like tonight what we have is what we call BYOB market talks and that's definitely you know, BYOB Market Talks and that'll, you know, on Zoom where we're helping you understand how to navigate. And of course, that's followed by a talk with the finance doctor. So myself and Dr. Bythewood are here and dedicated with this movement with the visionary himself, Mr. Rogers. And that is what we're doing. This this is where that shift happens. You know, this this is where it begins. So somebody has to step up and say, you know what, we're willing to be that change agent. And that's what Be Your Own Bank movement is all about. It's about being that change agent. It's about making sure that we empower the families and empower so we can be that shift and that pivotal, you know, that pivotal shift and what's important in each and every community. So with that, I mean, I just wanted to kind of highlight that as we close out this, this broadcast. Thank you, Ms. Dyer. Is it time for us to close? I think it is. And we certainly are thankful for everybody who uh, tuned in and to listen and share with us. And we want you to know, as you listen to the show, you can always um, type something in, a question in, because we want to address questions that uh, you have, concerns that you have, so that we can we can really be on target with how we're trying to help. And so uh, we're thankful. We thank God for Dr. Bikewood. He was a powerful uh inspiration a powerful word a strong word today and we we intend on having him as a regular part of our show and as often as he can come and be on we certainly want him to be here we're thankful for mr rogers we're thankful for miss Dyer. so glad you tuned in so glad you enjoyed the show these financial markets they are yours for the taking and we're here to help you understand exactly what's been hidden in plain sight. Get a copy of your book today. Be Your Own Bank, hidden in plain sight at our website, beyourownbankmovement.com. Be blessed.